Well, good morning. It is good to see you here today. If you have a Bible, let's go to Matthew chapter 5. If you didn't know, we are one church in two locations, so I want to welcome everybody at our Knoxville location today. Excited about what God is doing there and, and uh, man, excited about what God has been doing here at our church last Sunday. At game day, we had 15 people make decisions for Christ last week. That was so exciting. Let's give a round of applause to all those decisions. 14 of them were actually baptized. That was incredible, exciting. And last Sunday also gave a challenge to begin to give if you uh, were not giving. And we actually had 22 first-time new givers. We had a 31% uh, uh, higher giving than normal. So let's give a round of applause to all of those first-time givers. Exciting, exciting stuff. Next Sunday is uh, base camp and camp two. So if you've never been to one of those classes, I encourage you to take your next step as we continue here at FC. Uh, today, we're starting a brand new series called That'll Leave a Mark. And the, the, the reality is we've all been hurt by someone at some point in our life. And those painful situations have a way of leaving marks on our life, sometimes physically, but always emotionally. And we don't forget them. And when we do, we get hurt. And when we get hurt, we get angry. When we get angry, we tend to be resentful and that anger can turn into bitterness and it makes us worry and anxious. And we wonder, is this ever gonna happen again? If I, am I ever gonna get over this? And I think the painful events in our life will either make you or they will break you. But the good news is that you actually get to decide. In fact, every day you wake up, you get to decide if yesterday's hurt and pain is going to impact you today, right? And so in this series, we're gonna turn to God for help. And we're gonna ensure that, that those marks will not and cannot continue to break us down. That in fact, that, the, those situations that we've experienced are actually gonna make our faith stronger. They're gonna make us stronger. They're gonna make us wiser and healthier and hopeful and make us the leader that God intended us to be. And so how many of you guys are excited about taking that next step today? Who's with me, anybody? All right, we're somewhat awake. And you know, now that football season has started, every pastor gets to use this. Like you cheer for, you know, the balls on Saturday, you get to cheer for Jesus, right? So I get to use that occasionally. You never know when I'm gonna use it, but, but, but maybe. So uh, in Matthew chapter five, uh, Jesus talks to us about anger and what to do with this anger. And in this series, we're gonna talk about anger. We're gonna talk about um, uh, anxiety. We're gonna talk about uh, being uh, resentful and, and, and what it looks like to forgive uh, actually next Sunday. And so uh, this is a great sermon series for you to invite friends, for you to uh, pull people in with you as we talk about these very, very, very um, common um, emotions that, that we all experience. And so today we want to look at anger. And when anger wins, you lose. And so let's see what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 21. He says, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court. 
lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. So Jesus is here uh, talking to us about anger. Now, I don't know what angers you. I don't know what your buttons are, but you have them. I don't know what those triggers are in your life that, that lead you to get angry and upset, but every single one of us, we actually have them. For me, I'll, I'll give you a little example. I was at the grocery store the other day, and so I'm in line, which was my biggest mistake. I should have gone to the self-checkout, right? But I'm in line. It's too late for that. I uh, got lots of stuff. Lady in front of me has got a lot of stuff. She gets through. And the first thing that starts to irritate me is like after everything is rung up and in a bag, she acts surprised when the lady tells her how much she owes her. Like she's not ready. Can you just be ready? You know what's coming, right? And she's like, oh yeah, well, let me dig in my purse for 20 minutes and here's my coin purse. And, and she's looking for cash, you know, and, and then she's getting exact change, I guess. And then she realizes she doesn't have enough money. Meanwhile, she's talking and, you know, like nobody else has anything to do. The line's backing up. My blood pressure's going up, right? My heart's beating fast. And on the, on the outside, I'm smiling. But on the inside, I want to scream like, hurry up, you know? So you think, okay, no cash. Please just get your debit card and swipe and let's just move on. But no, oh no, she doesn't reach for the debit card. She pulls the ancient checkbook out. It's 2022, guys. It's time to give up the checks. And so another 30 minutes of filling that thing out. And then finally, it's my turn, but I got to shave. It's been so long. <laughs> that irritates me. I'm, I'm, sometimes I'm just not very patient. And so it's a trigger for me. I know you have triggers. I know you have buttons that maybe your spouse pushes and it irritates you. Maybe you're a, you know, you're a teenager, you're a college student, your parents, you know, push your buttons. There, there's some triggers that lead you to actually, you know, get angry and, and, and upset. And so what we have to understand is, is, is anger is a normal emotion, right? But what we need to do is we need to realize how to tame that anger. How do we manage that anger? So the first thing that I would say today for us to realize is that anger is inevitable, you're going to get angry about things. I'm going to get angry. You're going to get angry. Everybody experiences anger. The only people that don't get angry are dead people. <laughs> and so we're all going to have to deal with it. And, 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 and even when Jesus talks about anger here, it's a, it's, he's assuming we are going to experience it. In fact, Ephesians 4.26 says, in your anger, do not sin. So when you get angry, he says, don't sin. We're all going to get angry. But there is a difference between righteous anger and unrighteous anger. Jesus had a righteous anger when he goes into the temple one day and these guys had turned it into a den of robbers. He said they were selling things and trying to make money off things. And he throws over the tables. It was a righteous anger. And, and you might experience a righteous anger sometimes when somebody, you know, hurts you or, you know, a righteous anger when you think about abortion or somebody's getting bullied or something like that, right? but we're not Jesus. And so what happens is that even in an unrighteous anger moment, it quickly turns into unrighteousness. Even if it's a righteous anger, it turns into a hurtful or harmful or unrighteous anger, what we would call destructive. And that's the type of anger that hurts people and wounds people. It's the type of anger that really impacts and affects your very spirit your heart, your spirit, how you come across to other people. And I can tell you that 
here today, in Knoxville today, those of you who are listening, like there are some victims of anger in the room. Somebody has unleashed their anger on you. Maybe you were a kid and it was a parent. Maybe it was somebody who was supposed to be loving towards you and they were just angry towards you and it hurt. And you're still experiencing that hurt. And you're still dealing with that and it's impacting you even today. Maybe it's a spouse and the spouse is angry and, and the fuse is short and the temper is quick. And so you're dealing with us on a regular basis. And can I tell you that the, the scariest people in the room today are those people who are angry and don't realize their impact on their family and friends. The scariest people are the people that, that are angry and they don't realize how they're hurting their loved ones. I think all of us have been a victim of someone's rage or someone's anger and and, and, and it wounds us, it hurts us. And, and Jesus here is saying that those of us who have anger that are dealing with anger, you're gonna, you're gonna be tempted to insult someone, right? If you, if you curse someone, if you insult someone, he says you're gonna be liable to judgment, right? He says, he says if you say you fool, you're gonna be liable to the hell of fire. And so the anger that he's clearly talking about here, secondly, is it's the anger that wounds it's the anger that hurts, right? It's the anger that would, would put somebody down. It's the anger that makes someone feel our wrath. And Jesus says, yes, murder is a sin. We get it, yep, that's a sin. But he raises the standard. And he says, if you harbor anger in your heart, you are guilty. If you cast insults, you're guilty. If you have an explosive anger or, or even an implosive anger, he says, you're, you're guilty. And every one of us have, have been wounded. Every one of us has experienced this. And every single one of us have in fact been angry ourselves. So not only do we get it dished out to us, but we also dish it out. And if anger lives in our soul, it's really this destructive poison it's a destructive poison that really begins to harbor our relationships and, and it, really, it really distracts us and it, and it actually causes us to not be able to grow spiritually. And what we have to realize is that if you're an angry person, it's actually hurting you. I mean, it's obvious that yes, we've experienced the hurt, so we know that it can hurt others, but you also have to realize that in your anger, you're actually hurting yourself. And so anger that wounds is the anger that destroys you. It's, it's that, that cancer that just lays on your heart and your spirit. And when you get angry and upset, your blood pressure rises, your heart rate goes up, your body releases stressful hormones and, and impacts your organs. And over time, the more stress hormones your body and your organs experience, the more they get worn out. So it impacts us physically, but yes, it also impacts us spiritually. It spiritually hinders our growth. It's destroying your spiritual growth. Anger that wounds is the anger that destroys. And so Jesus says, anger can actually obstruct your worship. So if you're laying down a gift, if you're laying down an offering before the Lord, it's an act of worship. But he says, as you do that, if you remember that because you were angry, you hurt someone and you don't go and you don't uh, talk to them and you haven't dealt with them, he says, 
lay your offering down, go deal with it quickly, and then come back after you've dealt with it, after you've asked for forgiveness, and then you can worship me. Right now your worship is obstructed. And some of you, if you were honest, you would say there's something in your life, there's a relationship, there's a family member, there's a, there's a parent, there's a child, there's a mom or a dad, there's a coworker, and there's been anger between you, there's been, there's been some hurt feelings there. And if you haven't dealt with that, then your worship is obstructed. And that's who he's talking to. That's what he's telling us in Matthew 5, 9. He says, blessed are the peacemakers. You know, there's a difference between a peacekeeper and a peacemaker. For us, a peacekeeper would be someone who avoids conflict. It's someone that doesn't want to have hard conversations, someone that wants to sweep things under the rug and they won't deal with the challenges that come forth in a relationship. They just kind of want to put their head in the sand and not deal with it. They think, well, if I put my head in the sand then I won't have to think about it and we can just not worry about it, but it's not getting any better. Jesus calls us to be a peacemaker. In fact, I think the healthiest person in the relationship is the person that takes the first step. Take the first step, have the conversation. Hey, listen, when you said this, it, it really hurt me. And so I just, I just wanted to get that off my chest. The scripture teaches us to keep a short record of accounts. We don't want that account to build up inside of us. We wanna, we wanna get it out, right? We wanna say, hey, you hurt me here. And, and then we also wanna ask for forgiveness often. People never say to me, you know what? I just, I just had that conversation too soon, <laughs> It's usually the opposite, isn't it? It's usually, I should have just talked to them about this a lot sooner. If I would have, then it would have been clean and clear and we could have moved on, but I, but I didn't. I, 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 I procrastinated, I, I delayed, right? And we can't just ignore it. We can't stop anger. Anger is gonna come, anger is gonna go. We know it's gonna happen. We know things relationally uh, are gonna be um, hindered when anger is in the room, but, but we can't let it win. Because as I've said, if anger wins, you lose. You're gonna lose that relationship with a child. You're gonna lose that relationship with a coworker or your spouse if you let anger win. And anger wants to win. Anger wants to, anger wants to win, it wants to rule. It makes you feel like you are doing you know, good by winning but we're really losing. So what do we do? How do we manage our anger? How do we tame this anger? A few thoughts that I would share with you today. Number one is you've got to admit your anger. You've got to admit it. Some of you are in denial. You're in denial. You don't want to admit that your anger is actually hurting your family. You don't want to admit that your anger is actually hurting your coworkers. You're trying to lead them. You're trying to be a good boss, but your anger is ruining that. It's ruining your marriage. Some of you just don't want to recognize it and some of you just want to blame other people. Man, you're so angry. I know, but it's because people are such idiots. <laughs> they push my buttons. You know, you get mad at your spouse and you're like, why are you so angry? Well, because you pushed my buttons. You know how to do it and you're pushing my buttons and you're making me angry. You know, when you're a child and somebody hits you and you hit them back and the teacher says, why did you hit them? And kids say, because they hit me first. That's what children do, right? But, but as adults, 
the you made me do something doesn't work anymore. At some point, you've got to mature through that because nobody can make you angry. It's a lot of things that, you know, can lead to that. But the truth be told, you're in control of your emotions. The things that, here's a good example. The things that used to really upset me in my marriage when Mike and I first got married, uh, some of those things still happen today. And I will tell you there, I do some things, you know, today that I did early on in those days. But, you know, her response isn't the same. Used to make her really upset and angry. But today she does that and she just shakes her head. Right. (laughs) Why? Because she's grown. We've grown. And we don't we don't allow ourselves to be made upset about certain things anymore. Right. You're in control of your emotions. Nobody can make you feel something. But some of you would say, well, what I would call I'm the volcano, right? Some of you are the volcano. You just erupt, right? Something happens, boom, short fuse, response, loud, proud, dominate the conversation. You're the volcano and you know it. Don't mess with me. How many of you would say, I'll admit it today, I can be known to be a person that is a volcano. Anybody want to raise their hand and say, that's me? Anybody? Okay, thank you. A few honest people today. Now, those of you that didn't raise your hand, you're already feeling self-righteous today. You're not maybe the volcano. You're what I would call the pressure cooker. And the pressure cooker, it's not explosive, doesn't erupt. Oh, their anger is much more subtle. Their anger is kind of held in. It simmers. It steams, right? They know how to hold it in. They're not necessarily loud. They're not going to, you know, dominate the conversation. They're just going to be sarcastic. You know the sarcastic comments. You know the, the calm nature that you have. But, but the, the, the reality is those, those um, passive-aggressive comments, right, those subtle comments that you make are, are indicators that there is deep within you anger that is simmering. It's the comments like, uh, oh, I'm sorry, I'm not perfect like you, right? It's the sarcastic comment that says, are you always this stupid or is today a special day? (laughs) Or my favorite, I'm not insulting you, I'm describing you, right? Very self-righteous, right? These are the passive aggressive people that are sneaky with their anger. You ask them to do something. Oh, yeah, I'll do that. And they never do it, right? It's time to take out the trash. Oh, yeah, right on that. Two days later, the trash still sits, right? This is the passive aggressive person. And so this is, this is what's dangerous about the pressure cooker. Eventually, the top will blow. And when it does, it's like Mount Vesuvius, right? It's like massive explosion. Why? Because it's like 10 years worth of stuff that finally erupts, right? So both the pressure cooker and the volcano is extremely dangerous, right? They're eventually going to blow and turn into the volcano. And so we're holding this back. And what we have to realize is that even in marriage, These are the kind of reactions that we take and the self-righteousness happens because you're probably, if you're married to a volcano, you're probably the pressure cooker or vice versa, right? 
The really dangerous relationship in the room is when you're both pressure cookers, right? And that's the guy that comes home and he's like, man, my wife just freaked out. She blew up and I've never seen her do that. Why? Well, she's been holding that in for 10, 20 years maybe. And so what she has to realize is what Jesus is saying here. What the pressure cooker needs to realize is you've got to resolve it quickly, right? If you don't deal with it, if you ignore it, if you don't have a healthy outlet, if you're not mature enough to say what you said here really hurt me without yelling and without getting into an argument, this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying you've got to be able to verbalize it. You've got to resolve it quickly. Seek forgiveness. Ask for forgiveness. And do this quickly. If you don't, it's just going to compound and build and build and build until eventually, if you don't talk to somebody, you're just going to blow up. It's going to fester and it's going to hurt you. It's like a cancer that grows inside of your soul, keeping you from worshiping God the way that he wants you to. Distracting and hindering the relationships that God is calling you to. And so every single one of us need to begin to realize this and resolve it quickly and and, 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 and even for our volcano friends, again, now you're starting to get a little self-righteous. Like they are pretty bad, right? But here's what we all have to do is we've got to slow down our anger. We've got to slow down our anger. I, I love what Proverbs 15, 18 says. It says, a hot-tempered man stirs up strife, right? <laughs> but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. Are you the kind of person when things are contentious, there's a lot of arguments or it's tense at home, you come and it's like you're throwing gas on the flame. You're fanning the flame because you're hot tempered. What's going on around here? We take this and we take it up here, right? You're stirring up strife even further. Or are you the kind of person that can slow down your anger and quiet the argument? Whoa, 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 guys, chill. Let's relax. Let's calm down. Let's take a break. Let's realize that it's not that big a deal. Let's walk through this. We've got to learn to slow down our anger. And every single one of us, no matter how, what our tendency is, we have to walk through this and we have to realize that, that we've got to begin to delay that button. We can't blame our buttons. If you're blaming your trigger, if you're blaming your buttons, it's time for you to grow up. I don't care if you're a teenager. I, I, I don't care uh, if you're old and you think it's too late for you. It's not. <laughs> We've got to delay the buttons. Um, when I was a, a, a kid, I used to want a switchblade. You, you remember what a switchblade is? It's like a, a blade that's in the handle and then you push the button, right? And you, and you switch the little button and then the, the blade pops out. Well, no way were my parents going to buy that for me. And, and uh you know, uh, I would go uh, to, to Gatlinburg as a kid and there's this store up there called uh, China Bazaar. And uh, like I was a, you know, Daniel Sun fan, you know, back in the Karate Kid days, I wanted to be a ninja. And so you walk into that store as a kid and it's like all this amazing, like very inappropriate weapons <laughs> for, for mankind. But it's like all these like ninja weapons, you know? And so I just loved going in there as a kid. Well, they're not going to sell me the switchblade, but that's where I saw it and I wanted it. And I had a friend who was a little bit older. He was my next door neighbor. And he was like, I'll get you one, man. My, I'll get, my parents will get me one and I'll, I'll give it to you. And so I was like, okay, cool. We had this kind of deal going on. And he called me up one day and he said, I got it, I got it. So he comes over to the house. He was like, here it is, man. I opened it up. I was so excited to get it out of the box. I hit the button and then, and it was a comb. <laughs> and he got me. He got me good with that one. Um, 
But you, you know, the reality is the buttons in your life that make you angry, the switches in your life that make you angry are a lot like a switchblade, right? You, you push the button and pa-ching, you're angry and the blade pops out and now you're cutting and you're wounding and you're hurting people with your words. And so what we have to do is we've got to delay the button. We've got to slow it down. We've got to slow down our anger. If we don't, we're going to continue to hurt people around us. And remember, you're hurting people around you, but you're also hurting yourself, right? People are, are walking on eggshells around you or they just don't want to be around you. That's an issue. Here's what James says in James chapter one, verse 19. He says, let every person be quick to what? Hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. He says, be slow to anger. What are we? We're, we're normally quick to talk. Why? Because we want to prove our point. We want to be right. Who cares? Who cares at the end of the day? Right? Do you remember the argument you won last month against your spouse or a coworker? No, you've moved on. Be slow to speak. Be slow to anger. Why? Because the anger that's inside of us is going to lead to unrighteousness. It's going to hurt us. So what's the best way to slow down your anger, to kind of slow down on, on the trigger? And I would say spending time with God, spending time with God. Like there is no substitution for you opening up the word of God, even if it's just a few verses a day and reading it on a consistent basis. Like when you sit down and you read the word of God, you use the Bible app and, and push play and it'll, they'll read it to you as you drive to work. There's no substitute for that. There's no substitute for talking to God about your problems, about your anger, about asking him for help. There's no substitute to, to listening to worship music and worshiping to, uh, uh, God uh, by yourself. Something happens when you do that on a consistent basis. God begins to warm your heart. He slows down the trigger buttons. He slows it down. He matures you. He grows you. And he uses that time to, to minimize those triggers. Right? And as you hear from him, as you grow and as you learn, it is, it is a powerful way that God grows that relationship and grows you. How much time do we spend with them? Well, it just depends. You don't want to be legalistic about it, but you want to you want to spend a little bit of time with them every day. And the more you do, the more you get a devotion, the more you do uh, one of the reading plans on the Bible app, the greater your heart, the greater your spiritual condition uh, two weeks from now and three weeks from now and a month from now and six months from now and what could be a terrible relationship now, a year from now with consistent prayer and reading God's word could be healing. And you would say miracles. And so... There's great devotions out there. My utmost for his highest. Go buy it. Read a, read a little bit every day. Um, Henry Blackaby has a really good uh, devotion, Experiencing God Day by Day. New Morning Mercies by Paul Tripp. These are great resources to use to be able to help you get into God's Word. It's why we give you the Scripture memory tags so that you can put them on your keys or put them in your mirror, in, in your bedroom or bathroom or put it in your car. You read it every day. And, and, and that consistency God burns into your memory and uses to help slow down the anger. I love what Psalm 16 verse 11 says. This is, this is a powerful verse for me. He says, you make known to me the paths of life, the path of life. 
You will fill me with joy. Where? I love it. You will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. So he's going to fill you when you're in his presence. And so we're in his presence today. It's very, very felt. We're worshiping. We're singing. Right. We're around the word of God. We're we're inspired. We came ready to think we're taking some notes down today. Why? Because we expect God to speak to us. And so when we're in his presence, he speaks. If you're listening and you're paying attention, you're 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 clocking in right now like God speaks. But what do we do when we walk out of this room Monday through Friday? If you're a student, you're back to school and practice and homework and school and practice and homework and a friend here and a friend there. And if you're out of school, like it's it's work, it's kids, it's dinner, it's do it all again. Right. Work, kids, dinner, figure it out again. And we're not in the presence of God and we're not thinking about God and we're not thinking about what we need to do. But as we spend time with God, all of a sudden, when the button is pushed, as we have grown our way through this, now it's the fruits of the spirit that are coming out instead of the fruit of Trent, instead of my sinfulness, instead of the same sinful habits. We've got to slow down our nature and we've got to increase the fruits of the Spirit in our life. And it only happens when we begin to spend time with Him. And then number four, and finally, I would say you've got to learn from your mistakes. You've got to learn from your mistakes. Every single one of us, you know, it's like we make mistakes, but if we don't think about uh, our mistakes, if we don't uh, really dial into those mistakes, then what we end up doing is we don't learn. We just continue to make the same mistake. Some of you say, well, this is just how I am. I'm just a volcano. You know, I I really resonate with that trend. My my dad was a volcano. We kind of say it with pride, don't we? My grandfather was a volcano. Actually, we did Ancestry.com and found out that our anger and volcanic expression goes all the way back to Moses, right? So it's just in our blood. No, it's not. No, it's not. Sure, you learned it, but you've got to learn from those mistakes. And, 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 and we learned how to explode from our parents. And we learned how to uh, pressure cook it from our parents. And if we're demonstrating the same behavior, we're hurting the people in our life. This is so big. This is what separates the men from the boys. This is what separates the spiritual children from the spiritually mature parent. Why? Because we think about and, and we learn from our mistakes. If we don't, this mark of continued anger is going to break you and it's going to breed more anger. And you're going to pass that down to your kids and your your kids' kids. And and that mark is going to continue. So you've got to admit your anger. You've got to slow down your anger. And then you have to learn from your anger. And here's the question. This is a difficult one. Some of you won't do it because it's too hard. You're, 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 not, you're not going to take it serious, but, but a handful of you will. You'll ask this question. You'll say, why am I so angry about this particular situation? Why am I so angry? And you'll really dive in. I mean, you dive into that, baby, and you're going to start peeling back the layers. I mean, you got to go into your soul to start looking around to answer that question. Some of you won't do it. You're too afraid. But some of you, if you'll just crack open the hard shell that has developed over the years and ask the question, why? Not what? You can answer what all day long. What makes you angry? 
long grocery lines and people who write checks. Well, what makes you angry, my kids, when they're idiots? What makes you angry, my wife, when she does X, Y, or Z? That's, that's not the issue. The, the, the issue is why. Why does that get to you? I'll never forget learning this. Actually, for my brother, we were sitting down. We were just hanging out, just the two of us. And I was kind of venting, you know, by the way, venting is not a biblical uh, concept, but I was. And um, I'm talking about kind of a situation that my wife and I was going through. And, and uh, as I was just kind of unloading and, and, and sharing that with him, he, he asked the question to me. He was just like, why do, you, why do you care? Like, why do you care when she does that? Why? Why, why does it make you so angry? And I just remember kind of being taken back by the why question and thinking, well, you know, well, you know, because it does. <laughs> but it's not that easy, is it? It's going to take some time. Why do you explode? Why do you hold it in? Why does it make you so up, upset? It's tough. But if you'll do the work, if you'll, if you'll get alone or maybe get with a, a really good friend or your spouse and and start brainstorming why, and, and, and you're honest enough with yourself, you're gonna, you're gonna start walking into a really dark place in your heart. And when you do, and when I do, I'll tell you what I find. I find another mark that'll break you if you let it. And that mark, when I start asking this question, I, I start digging around in my heart and I'll see fear. And I'll say, why did that make me so upset? And I'll see a fearful trend kind of curled up in the fetal position because fear will do it to you, man. You say, what are you afraid of? Well, a million things. Maybe you're afraid that you're not gonna be a good dad. Maybe you're afraid you're not gonna be a good husband or you're afraid that you're not gonna be seen as successful. And so when, 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 when that fear button gets pushed, you're gonna lash out and you're gonna fight because you don't want that to be exposed. Maybe you're afraid that you can't control a person that you love and so you'd rather threaten them with like short term, you know, this compliance that makes you feel good, but it hurts the relationship. It gets pretty ugly. Fear is gonna be there if you're honest. Right next to fear is most likely secondly hurt because we've all been hurt. And, and, and fear and hurt hang out together inside your heart. And when you're hurt, you tend to be very dangerous. You tend to lash out at people. It's kind of like a wild animal. You ever seen a video or maybe you've helped a wild animal that's caught in a snare or something? If you try to help a, a wild animal that's hurt and entangled or something, that animal is gonna try to hurt you. It's gonna lash out at you. And the reason is because he doesn't trust you. He's a wild animal. <laughs> but when you think about like those of us who have been wounded and, and are hurting today, somebody hurt you. It's a very real hurt. It's a very real pain. When you think about it, it makes your heart heavy. Fear comes back in and anxiety starts to creep in. Why? Because, because you've been hurt. And then when someone tries to help you, even God himself tries to help you, even me speaking today, your tendency might be to lash out. Your tendency might be to hurt the people that are trying to help you. 
fear and hurt are going to be there. We've got to deal with it. We've got to get below the surface and we've got to ask the question, why am I so angry? Where can I find help? Where can I get help with this? And you might say, well, a, a good, nice little sermon, Trent, that'll help me. And I, I, the sermon's not going to take you to where you need to go from here. It will hopefully get you thinking about it. It will hopefully, the Spirit of God is just kind of knocking on the door of your heart right now, waking you up to the pressure cooking that, that is within you, or maybe kind of helping you as a volcano, kind of realizing that, man, I'm hurting people. Man, I got to get this under control. My prayer is that this would help you, but for many of you, you're going to need more. You're going to need counseling. You're going to need a small group at the least. You need a small group leader, a mentor. You're going to ask someone to mentor you. You're going to ask someone to disciple you. You're going to ask someone just to go get coffee. Why? Because, it, you know, time is short and you can mess around with this and kick it to the curb and pretend like it's not there for another year. But then another year goes by and your marriage is still in the toilet. Another year goes by and you still haven't talked to your son or your daughter. And enough is enough. And somebody's got to make a change. And the only person that can do that is you. And the great thing is God's not leaving you alone for this. He's not asking you to do something that he's not going to walk with you every step of the way. I love what Psalm chapter four, verse three and five, three, three through five says. He says, but know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. And the Lord hears when I call to him. So be angry and do not sin and ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. Here's what I love about this. He tells us that the Lord will hear. The Lord's gonna hear you when you call. So the promise is that you call on the Lord, he will hear. So you're not alone. You're not alone in this situation. You're not alone. And even if you feel like you're isolated or broken or hurting today, whatever it is that you're going through, you might be here alone, feel alone. God says you're not. This is a great church to find community and to find help. So he'll hear you when I call. He says, be angry <laughs> oh, and do not sin. So you're going to be angry. Things are going to make you upset, right? But do not sin. Delay the trigger. Slow down the anger, right? And how do we do that? Ponder. We're not really good at pondering, are we? We got our cell phone, we got Netflix, we got TVs. And think about it, we've got, we've got full-time, 24 hours a day news, two or three hours of social media. Um, we got newspaper, we got all this stuff and all of it's negative, right? All of it's negative. All, social media, all the things that you don't have that, that you wish you had, you see all your friends have. So now I'm upset at them and now I'm upset about all the stuff going on in our country and now I'm fearful. Now I'm upset. 
work has some issues because so-and-so didn't do this and they were supposed to. And, and then I walk through my door at home on edge already. I'm up to here, man, thanks to social media, news and stuff at work. And then my wife is like, oh yeah, take out the trash. I know it's trash night and I know. Why don't you stop throwing empty boxes in the garage? Because I know you do it, right? Does that not happen in anybody else's marriage? Like there's empty boxes that show up in my garage. I'm like, who put them there? They get broken down and then the try. Slow down the anger, Trent, slow it down. So we ponder it in our own hearts, in our beds, and, and, and we're silent. You, you gotta get silent on this one if you're gonna peel back the layers and then offer right sacrifices. Why? I mean, we gotta worship God correctly. Worship God correctly in spirit and truth, right? Lay, if we're about to lay down our worship and we remember that we need to go ask for forgiveness, we've gotta go ask. If we hurt somebody, we gotta go ask. And then we come back, right sacrifices, right worship. Why? Because we're trusting in the Lord. We're trusting in the Lord. Some of you, um, know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you know exactly what this feels like. I was watching a movie recently, it's called The Shack. It's also a, a book and I, I know it's not like theologically great, but if you just look at it as a story, it's, it's, a, it's a good story. And the guy as a kid was abused by his father physically. And um, so it was just a terrible childhood and he abused um, the, the mom as well. And, so the, the story goes that the kid was, was so fearful and, and afraid, he actually poured poison into his dad's liquor bottle and his dad died. And so then he was living with this anger towards his father who abused him, as well as now guilt and shame of what he did that nobody knew. And the story is just how, you know, just emotional that made him and just how much he was dealing with. And part of the story was he got, a, he got to go back in time and he kind of, he got to see um, his father as a child. And you know what he saw? He saw his father as a child getting abused by his father, his grandfather. And then what happened is what needs to happen to all of us if we're gonna overcome anger. And that is his anger towards his dad, once he saw that glimpse, now he was able to turn anger into compassion. And you can't do that on your own. Only God can do that in your heart. You call upon him, God, make my anger turn to compassion. And that's what we need. Only God can do that in your heart. If you don't, then anger wins. And when anger wins, you lose. And, and when you lose and anger wins, the bitterness and the resentment grows. It's growing inside of your heart and in your, in, in your spiritual life and it's hurting relationships around you. And so next Sunday, we're gonna talk about what it looks like to really forgive. How do we do that? How, how, can, we, how can we allow that resentment to turn into compassion, which turns into true forgiveness? I hope you'll come back. This is a great series to invite some friends to. We're gonna close now with just a time of prayer and a time for us to worship and let God to, uh, allow God time to continue to move in our heart. Let me ask you to bow your heads. Lord Jesus, 
you know that there are some angry people in the room. And Lord, I pray that your sovereign hand of compassion would soften that heart today. I pray, God, that they would begin to recognize the damage that they're causing around them. But God, that you would, you would give them hope that there is an opportunity for healing. For those that are kind of pressure cooking, Lord, I pray that you would help them to release that, to be able to talk about it, not let it build up, have a short record of accounts. And Jesus, we ask, and in your presence right now as we sing and as we worship you, that you would begin to heal our hearts. And I pray all of us would just call upon your name now. And we pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and worship. We want to get to the place of peace in our hearts, place of peace in our relationships. And the only way we can get there is if Jesus takes us there. So let's sing together. Thank you so much for watching this video. We'd love for you to like the video and leave a comment. And we also encourage you to subscribe and click the bell so you never miss a post from Foothills Church. To learn more about FC, just head to our website by going to foothillschurch.com or by clicking the link in the description below.